morning. We enter today into a message about peace. The Advent theme of peace and living in this in-between of Jesus' birth and the second coming of Jesus. And we know through the gospel of Jesus that we now have a pathway to wholeness in God. Yet at the exact same time, we don't ever really feel complete. We don't ever really feel wholeness. And we may never feel it until we're sitting face to face with God. Now the Bible shares an incredible journey from the very beginning of the pages to the very end of this anticipation of Jesus coming, then Jesus living and dying, then what that means for us, and then it builds anticipation for the second coming of Jesus. And along that journey, we see God continuing to seek his people, continuing to seek them and bring them back to him. In the Bible, one of the words for peace is shalom. And shalom can be thought of as completeness. When you feel at peace, it's when you feel everything is clicking. It's when you feel like everything you are doing is completely together. Yet this side of eternity, it is very rare for us to truly feel peace. And so we wait. We wait for the second coming of Jesus when he will come and make everything right again. We wait in anticipation and almost this angst as we consider this side of the cross, what it truly means to have the Prince of Peace with us. And I consider it a blessing to be on this side of the cross because the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament, they were just waiting for Jesus to come. And one of the beautiful names that they called this Messiah that was to come is Prince of Peace. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet. And here is what he states about Jesus. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As I already said, Isaiah is a book of the Old Testament, which means this prediction about Jesus to come happens long before Jesus was ever born. Yet right here in the Old Testament, the very beginnings of the Bible, we see a prophet predicting Emmanuel, who will be here with us. And here's an example of how Jesus is mentioned and he is present far before the Gospels take place. We see Jesus mentioned throughout the Old Testament. And here it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. A son is given. The son of God is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now a quick thought on that government. 
I think a lot of times we like to have God play into our governmental systems, our preferences, and what we think the government should look like. But it seems to me that when this verse says the government shall be upon his shoulders, what it really means is are we putting our full trust in Jesus as the foundation of our lives? To life's biggest questions, are we allowing Jesus to be the person who he said he was and is? Or are we focusing on the man-made things that we think will establish peace, that we think will lead us to completeness? Because what Jesus establishes is far greater than anything a man or humanity can establish. And what we see here is not a description of any human king or president. What we see is a child being born that is both human and divine. And as we continue to read this passage, we see the different names of Jesus. We see that he's called a wonderful counselor. Which means when we read the Gospels, we should see how Jesus uses his wisdom to lead people. Jesus offers wisdoms like it's better to give than to receive. Come on, in this season, we should think about that. Jesus also says that he came to serve and not be served. He also says that true love is a willingness to lay down one's life for another. It's not about happiness. It's not about what that person does for you. It's about you laying yourself down for another. This is not human counsel. This is divine counsel. And in that divine nature, it's no wonder that Jesus is called mighty God. As we've already seen throughout the Gospels of Mark, Jesus heals people. Even the demons cower at the name of Jesus. We see that Jesus healed and repaired the broken over and over again. And that power of healing is only due to the fact that he is connected to the creator of the universe. So it makes sense that Jesus has the name Mighty God because he is so connected to our everlasting Father, which is another name for Jesus, Everlasting Father. And I believe this is because through Jesus, we are able to sit with our Everlasting Father, one that shows us that he is willing to sacrifice a piece of himself for us. And I know that in this Christmas season, maybe the word father creates some tension in your heart. Maybe you feel like your father here on earth was not a good dad to you. And you see that God and Jesus is the everlasting father and you're like, wait a second, I'm good with all the other names, but not that one. Recognize this, that Jesus and God is a father who is willing to lay down his life for you. He is willing to sacrifice everything to bring you wholeness and peace and grace and love. That is the heavenly father that we have. And the final name mentioned for him is Prince of Peace. Jesus came in grace and truth. He did not come to uproot the government. He did not come to destroy the Roman Empire. Instead, Jesus came with a message of peace. Even this early in the scriptures, we see that the Messiah is the Son of God, that the Messiah is a wonderful counselor, full of wisdom, 
that he is a mighty God, that nature listens to his voice. He is the everlasting father who loves us and sacrifices himself for us, and he is the prince of peace. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and in him we have peace. This is the Messiah that we celebrate and wait for in this season. So Lord, as we jump into this message on peace, I pray that your presence would be here. That any burden or weight that we are carrying, that we would lay it at your feet and recognize that although our burdens may not disappear, our heart posture towards them can change. Lord, I pray for any angst that we may be feeling that we would lay at your feet and recognize that your peace is available to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. My name's Nathan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Creekside. And I do consider it a blessing that we are on this side of the cross. That we know what these names mean, that we've seen it on display in the Gospels. And I do believe that the Prince of Peace is available to us today, that his peace is available to us today. But I also recognize that in the face of hardship and life circumstances, it's hard to feel peace in the midst of storms, wars, and our own cognitive thoughts, our inner distress. And this has been a human problem from the very beginning of time. Jesus is the way to God. Jesus provides a way for us to walk with our Heavenly Father. In the Garden of Eden, before sin entered the world, we see that the first created beings walked with God. They walked with their creator. They walked with peace and love itself. In Genesis 3, 8, it says, And they, speaking to Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. If they recognized the noise that God made when he walked... They must have walked with him constantly. They must have known what he sounded like, what his presence felt like. Now think about that for a second. The creator of the universe, peace and love right next to you. How peaceful must that have felt? Unfortunately for Adam and Eve, Genesis 3 is when they choose to follow their own way when they choose to look away from what God has called good and they seek their own good. And here in these verses, we find that they are hiding themselves from God. We see that shame and sin and guilt cause them to want to cower and hide away from God. And the reason for that is shame, sin, and guilt are the opposites of peace. When we feel it, we feel we must hide from God when in reality, It's an invitation to sit before him. From Genesis 3 forward, we see that God is seeking ways to restore wholeness, shalom, or peace to his people. God chases after his people over and over again throughout the Bible, and he offers them completeness in him. And even though that's true, the Bible is full of stories of God offering himself to people and them pursuing their own ways, pursuing other gods, pursuing other things that they think will lead them to peace. 
And it leads to war after war and hardship after hardship. And even after the Israelites and other people in Scripture walk away from God, God offers more. He offers more and more to them. And even in slavery, God provides the Israelites with a way out. And even as they're on their way out, they get caught up in their fear and they need a pep talk from Moses. They need a pep talk to remind them that the God of peace is with them. In Exodus 14, we see the Israelites have left their bondage and they are afraid. And yet Moses doesn't come to them and say, you know what, it's okay, sit in your insecurity, sit in your fear. Instead, Moses says these verses to the people. He says, fear not, stand firm, And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Or as the New King James Version translates verse 14, it says, The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Even in the face of our fears, the Lord is with us and provides a way for us to find peace. The Israelites over and over again throughout the scriptures were caught up in their fears. And God reminded them, be strong and courageous. He would call them to peace and trust in him. That is what God was seeking after, to bring their hearts back to him. And in scripture, there's a man who is said to have a heart after God, and it's King David. Now, if you know King David's story, it is crazy. And to think that this is a man after God's own heart is sometimes hard to believe with the things that he's done. But King David knew what it meant to wrestle with God. He knew what it meant to wrestle with peace and fear. If you read King David's story, you hear that he's anointed to be king, and yet after he's anointed to be king, he then serves the king at the time. Then, time after time, people are trying to kill him. And yet he trusts God over and over and over again. And in the Psalms, we see this wrestling that David has where he cries out to God in anger, yet at the same time, he finds peace in God. And one of those times that he finds peace in God, here's what he had to say. Psalm 4.8 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That cry does not seem like a man that is being hunted, a man that has people trying to kill him. David's life was full of hardship. We see him mourn and find peace over and over again. But real peace is found in trusting the Lord and in dwelling in him. And yet our sin keeps us from truly feeling this peace. It it provides this like blockage to where we need help to find peace which is why the Prince of Peace had to come. The Old Testament is great at showing us our need for Jesus. We see that 
if we do this life on our own, if we pursue the things that we think will lead us to peace, we're really only being led to our own destruction. We need Jesus. And the Old Testament prophets predicted the coming of Jesus. The passage we looked at earlier in Isaiah is a prediction of a man who will come and save the world. This is the reason we celebrate Christmas. The fact that God knew us and wanted to send his son to die for us. Christmas is about celebrating the Prince of Peace coming to die and conquer death for our sins. Because only through him can we find true peace. Only through him can we find true completeness. We need Jesus. We need the Prince of Peace. And Jesus tells us himself that it is peace he leads with us. In John 14, 27 through 28, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts, but not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. The peace that Jesus offers us is not like a peace that we can truly understand, but it's very similar to the peace that the Israelites were offered in Exodus. It's not a peace of the circumstances. The circumstances are the same, but what Jesus offers us is inner peace. We see that he says, let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This verse is not saying that you will have peace all the time. What it is saying is that when your hearts are troubled or you are afraid or you feel like you can't find peace in the chaos of this world, come to Jesus. Come to him. He is the prince of peace. The world is a rough place, but Jesus reminds us that he has overcome the world and he offers us his peace. In John 16, 32 through 33, Jesus says this, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each of you to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus states it clearly that in him we can find peace, not in the world, not in worldly things, not in go like man-made governments, not in our own pleasures, but in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we can find peace. And the peace that Jesus offers us is not like anything we can understand. Because Jesus came to fight against principalities of darkness. He came so that he could die and show us that death doesn't even have the final say. He came to fight the real enemy and it's not you and me. It is sin and it is the lies of the devil. Jesus came to provide peace to the broken and the hurting of which you and I are them. Jesus came to provide a way to peace for us. 
How then do we enter that peace? The Apostle Paul tries to give an answer to that in Philippians. In Philippians 4, 4 through 9, Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If there was a how to get peace verse in the Bible, this would be one of them. Paul here makes it sound super simple to get peace. What he says is rejoice, don't be anxious, pray about everything, be thankful, let your requests be known to God. Then he reminds us that of your thought life and if you want peace, think about what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. And if we do that, and if we practice these things, the God of peace will be with us. But it's not like any peace that we can describe. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that guards our hearts and our minds all through Jesus Christ. It is a supernatural peace that we get through Jesus that we will not truly understand this side of eternity. And I do believe that the peace of God is available to us today, but it takes time. It takes time to face life circumstances and I have a heart that is willing to be peaceful. It takes the Holy Spirit changing our very hearts and our very minds and our very actions. When our external circumstances are difficult, it can be hard to think about what is true, honorable, pure, and lovely. It's hard to believe the verses that we've talked about today when we're facing divorce, when we're facing a job loss, when we're facing the loss of a family member. It's hard to believe that through prayer and thanksgiving and changing our thought life that we can enter into the peace of God. It's difficult to believe any of that. And I know for myself, I've wrestled with this question that if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and I am not at peace, how can I be a follower of the Prince of Peace? And there is no way to really answer that question. Other than to recognize that the peace of God is not something we can understand. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's a peace that I don't think we're going to understand until Jesus comes again. Because the reality of life is hard. And there are seasons of peace. There's seasons where we feel like we're just killing it, where everything is going amazing. And then there are seasons 
where we feel like we're just trying to survive, where we're just trying to keep our head above water. And if I'm 100% honest with you, and this is very relatable to the season of life I'm in, peace is like a newborn baby. Newborns are super cute. They're adorable. You wait in anticipation for nine months to get this little thing that screams and poops and pees everywhere. There's not a lot of peace that comes with taking care of babies. And some moms go through this thing called postpartum depression. A season where they should be just excited to hold their little ones and yet they're deeply depressed and there is no pulling out them out. You know, in this season, um, I've heard from many people, and this is not to make anybody feel guilty if you've said this to me, that raising little kids is just like trying to survive. I keep hearing that I'm in survival mode. And that's one saying you hear about raising little ones. But then there's another saying that people say about babies. And it's sleeping like a baby. Sleeping like a baby. The expression of sleeping like a baby means that someone is sleeping so well and that they are so cozy, they just look at peace like this picture of Oliver. It was super cute, throwing up the peace sign to us. <laughs> I mean, those cute little cheeks. Okay, I can get lost in that photo. Anyway, look at him though. He is so at peace. So, so at peace. And yet, what you may not know is probably right before this he had a blowout, which means the poop came out of his diaper, or he may have just thrown up all over one of us, or he was screaming before he fell asleep. All of that chaos leading to a moment of peace. A moment of peace. Peace is like a newborn baby. I may not know where you're at in your life right now, but I do know one thing, that we all know what it feels like to go through a season where we're just surviving. Where we feel like we're barely getting by, where we feel like, God, I'm trying to believe in you, but it's hard to believe in you. Where we feel like the father who came to Jesus and asks him to heal his son and Jesus says, just believe. And the dad cries out, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. That is a season of survival. But we also know what it feels like to feel a little bit at peace. Where we feel like everything is cruising in our life. We have all experienced those two phases of life. And yet the peace that Jesus offers us, it goes beyond any understanding. It goes beyond anything that we are carrying, any hardship of this life. 
whether you feel like you are just getting by or whether you feel at peace, Jesus offers you to come to him with everything that you are, everything that you have. And he is the Prince of Peace. We may not have peaceful circumstances in this world, but we can have peaceful hearts towards them. We can recognize that although our burdens and seasons of life may be difficult and heavy, those are the seasons of life Jesus calls us to come to him and lay them at his feet. In fact, Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 29 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the person that we celebrate in this season. A God that sees us in our shame, guilt, and sin, and yet offers his son as a pathway to peace. A God that says, come to me and I will give you rest. Notice he doesn't say he's going to take the burdens away. No, instead, Jesus meets us exactly where we are, in our mess, in our peace. Everywhere that we are, Jesus meets us right there and leads us to him. The burden is still present and it may feel heavy, but Jesus offers his helping hand. Jesus offers us his rest. Not the physical rest that we may want, but a heart full of peace. Now, experiencing peace this side of eternity is both an exercise of trust and anticipation. Trust in the fact that the Prince of Peace really is always with us. Even when our life doesn't seem peaceful. Even when we get a diagnosis that we're not sure what's going to happen with. Even when our world seems to be falling apart. The Prince of Peace is with you. And yet anticipation of a time when he will come again and there will be no more tears. Where everything will be whole again. Where we can be like Adam and Eve and walk with the Creator. Having peace and love right next to us. Feeling that we are actually at peace beyond any of our understanding. For now, we celebrate when we do feel peace. For now, we seek to do what Paul says. Think about these things. Pray. We try to do what Jesus asks us to do and lay our burdens at his feet and try to recognize that the Prince of Peace is right there next to us. Even in the world's terriblest situations, Jesus is still present. The Prince of Peace who came into this world so we can experience peace. Now, as the sermon comes to a close, we are taking a moment in this Advent season to consider and ponder and reflect on the themes that we are addressing. Today, we talked about peace in the in-between. Peace between Jesus coming and living his life and dying for us and then raising from the dead, and ascending to heaven so that now when God looks down, he looks through a lens of Jesus at us. But then also the second coming where Jesus will come and make everything right again. 
So as I close out the sermon, I want us to take a moment to reflect. Take a moment as you're sitting to think about these two questions. Where have you encountered this peace in recent days or weeks? And where do you still need it now? Because Jesus is with you. And as Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29 says, we can come to him and lay our burdens at his feet. So let's take a moment to reflect on these questions. Lord, as we reflect on the peace that is mentioned in the Bible, may we remember that it is a peace that surpasses all understanding. May we remember that the Prince of Peace came to live and die so that we don't have to fear death because he rose from the dead. May we remember that your presence is with us always, that even when our world seems to be falling apart, when we're just in survival mode, that you are still our peace, that you're still there to hold us. And Lord, may we thank you when we are in seasons of peace, when we feel like everything's clicking, May we be willing to recognize that that is a gift from you. Thank you for making your peace available to us. Amen. In this Advent season, we've also been having you come on up and share different seasons where you have felt one of these themes of Advent. And so today, for the story of peace, will you guys give a warm welcome to Charlotte Miller.
Good morning. As you just heard, I'm Charlotte, and I was asked to share briefly, I'll try to be brief, um, my story of walking through the valley of the shadow of death and the pieces while fearing no evil, or stated another way, sharing some of the realities of my life in this broken world while having see Jesus as my savior. To convey this week's advent, the peace that I have found. And I, my little notes here say, like most people, but it's not like most people, it's like all of us. We all have our realities of life that we deal with. And in my case, I'm gonna categorize them addiction, betrayal, death, and diagnosis. My uh, father and two siblings were addicted to alcohol and drugs respectively. And as a result, all three of them died way too young. My father died at 67 with a stroke. Next was my sister at age 49 from a HIV. Then my brother died of a cardiac arrest from a drug overdose at age 60. The whole family not only suffered because of their death, but they suffered all during the addiction. The lies, the broken promises, the multiple rehabs, the stealing, the fraud checks, the parents going bankrupt because of all of that. And unfortunately in my family, there was no happy ending with um, being recovered alcoholic or a reformed addict. As a young adult going on to betrayal, I had, uh, I entered a 30 plus years, what I call of my prodigal daughter years and I, during those 30 years, um, there were a lot of offenses, but the one that is probably most prominent was the betrayal of my marriage vows to my first husband. Then many years later, I was betrayed by my career of choice, which was the Army. They had values of respect, loyalty, and such, and at that time, I felt I was living them and I certainly expected them in return. But the betrayal was an unrighteous discharge, albeit honorable, it was at the peak of my career and a career that I did not feel it should be over. But of course, God had a different plan. I, moving on to death, I feel that I have been exposed to more death than most, but maybe not. I just shared the three with my intimate family. But besides my dad and siblings, my mother, my husband, my second and dearest husband, my two brother-in-laws, and a very dear childhood friend who prayed for me every day of those 30 years of my wilderness years. They all died of an illness. And then my sister-in-law died of an accident. So each death, elicited its own type of grief and sorrow. These are realities of our lives. My latest reality was my diagnosis of stage four colon cancer. And with the exception of my wilderness years, as I phrase them, God has always granted me a sense of well-being. I don't know why, I'm so thankful for it. It's the well-being, the peace. And I did not personally come to know Jesus 
until the age of 13. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, as you can imagine with what I've shared briefly. Church and God were never discussed, but it was Jesus who sought me. I believe with my whole heart and mind that while I did not know Jesus, Jesus knew me and he sought me. By the time I reached junior high, and I guess that's called middle school now, um, I made my own decision, and fortunately my parents did not object, that I was going to attend the church that was down the street. It was within walking distance of our house. And so I started going down there by myself, and they had a very vibrant youth program, much like Creekside. And I started participating in that youth program, and there I gave my life to Jesus. I believe then and now that Jesus gave up his life to raise it again to redeem each of us. Psalm 23, verses 2-3 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. As Pastor Nathan said, David had a way with words and with his peace. And God's divine word. This is God's peace. He has given to me and to each of you. This assurance brings us to this week's Advent. I've been truly blessed with a deep sense of peace that has been shown or demonstrated by my temperament throughout my life. And my temperament is that God has given me a lightheartedness. And I believe this stems from his peace. And he enables me to share this lightheartedness, this positive, or however you want to categorize it. He allows me to share it with others. I believe that's his gift that he's given me, is to be an encourager. When I received my diagnosis and prognosis in March of this year, it was almost a visceral feeling of his peace washing over me. And I knew that I was going to be cared for according to his will. And knowing that gave me the ability to respond favorably to the treatments that I underwent for the next six months. I'm not cancer-free as I stand in front of you, but I can tell you that I am well. And with that, I say, peace be to you. Thank you.